from Pump House 110 Productions. You've now entered the paranormal radius with your hosts, Chris and Anissa, where darkness comes to light and we explore everything that goes bump in the night. Sit back, hold on, and get lost with us as we discover how the supernatural impacts our new sense of reality. Hey everybody, welcome to the second episode of Paranormal Radius. I'm Chris. And I'm Anissa. And we'd like to thank everybody that tuned in and downloaded our very first episode, our pilot. We're hoping to continually just get better, but we really appreciate all the feedback and the support. And I'd also, before we get started on today's episode, I'd like to give a shout out to Brent Thomas at Paranormal Portal. If you guys haven't already checked that out, you really need to get on and find it. It's on every major podcast platform. Brent has a way of interviewing and talking about this subject that it's just a seamless episodes and the people that are on it talking about a taboo subject, it just flows and Brent has a way of relaying information. It's just, it's a one of a kind podcast and it's one of the reasons and the inspiration for us to do this. So Brent, thank you for everything with your podcast and guys, yeah, check out the paranormal portal. So let's go ahead and get started with episode number two regarding black eyed kids. It's a phenomenon that has always interested me and I've always read about and try to get as much information I can. So Anissa didn't really have a whole lot of knowledge regarding the Black Eyed Kids. Yeah, I had never even heard of the the phenomena. I it was, you know, it was nothing that I'd heard of. I'd seen black eyed people in movies and stuff, but I'd never actually heard of the black eyed kids theory or anything going on with it. So what what do you know about it? Well, according to accounts that have been written and spoken on in TV shows and things like that, they're usually approached by kids, sometimes singular, sometimes three, four, but they approach your vehicle or your house and they knock on the door and more often than not, they're requesting help. And it kind of preys on that, in my personal theory, it kind of preys on how people want to help kids. And when they see a kid in distress, they always want to jump in. So they they appear usually between 6 and 16 years old, and sometimes they're already just blacked out eyes, but sometimes they look like normal kids. But a lot of things that accompany it is an overwhelming sense of fear, dread, hopelessness, and anxiety. Conspiracy theorists also believe that they are aliens, and demonologists think that they're actually demons. That's terrifying. Yeah, it really... From what I've read and what you've read, uh, the encounters really leave people shaken up and it changes them in a way that they didn't expect. And sometimes when they get treated negatively or you reject what they're asking for, that's time when they, their eyes usually transition to black and those feelings tend to occur. That's crazy. Okay, so since I didn't know what was going on with this and I had no background knowledge, obviously I needed to look up some, some information. And so I went to trusty old Google and went through, um, there have been a couple of movies made in the last 10 years or so about black eyed children. Um, one being a, a Kickstarter movie called let me in and fun fact, that's actually based off of a French movie um about let them in and that's where they the kids represent actually vampires but we kind of got a little bit more interested into kind of like the demonology side of things rather than the aliens or the ghost or the vampire side so the earliest account that something had been published i saw was in 1996 um brian bethel 
uh, wrote an article about his encounter that he had in Abilene, Texas. And uh, what had happened is that he was driving home one night and he had to, he was going to go meet a friend or something, but he had to pull over and write out a check and something to, you know, get ready to give it to the friend. So he pulled over and it was in a theater parking lot. And he's, you know, busy writing the check. All of a sudden he gets a knock on his uh, window of his vehicle, rolls it down a little bit. And there's these two teenage boys there. And they said, hey, we have or we need um, money for theater tickets. And we actually forgot our money at home. Would you give us a ride back to the house? And we would live really close. So Brian, it kind of hymns and haws about about it doesn't really feel great. But, you know, at the same time, his logic is telling him, you know, they're, they're teenage kids, so it's the worst that can happen. He ends up telling them, you know, I just, I don't think that I feel comfortable with giving you guys a ride there. Plus, I don't think that we'd be able to make it to your house and then back before the movie starts. So sorry, guys, but I can't help you. At that point, their eyes did black out and they freaked out and they started pounding on the car, pounding on the window and saying, you know, let us in. Why can't you help us? Everything else, which totally freaked him out, rightfully so. And so he took off in his car and left. And so he wrote uh, an article about the encounter and then... Then um, in 2012, I believe, he actually gave a, um, an interview with a, a local media about it, you know, and this is right before, either right before or right after the movie comes out. So that kind of falls in line with what I was talking about previously, where they appear outwardly just to be a normal group of kids, but when their offer isn't accepted or they're told to go away or basically just rejected in any form, that is when you can see that they actually shift and the true colors come out. And like I said previously, I think it's, you know, demons can take many different forms and they're very good manipulators and liars. And I think that that's a predatory way for them to kind of prey on our emotions. So in the end, I mean, who knows what their end game goal is? Are they wanting to kill? Are they wanting to take your soul? But why are they here and why do they do this? And another account too is when they speak, they'll speak normally, but then sometimes they mix and match words or it's a real incomplete sentence where they leave out keywords like instead of is it dinner time they'll say is it food time and it's really kind of confusing and that's when i think it kind of the cloak comes off and that's where they slip up so there is like i said i went on and i looked you know tried to look up stories everything else a lot of uh, articles had came across including wikipedia had said about how this is like a creepy pasta type thing that it was just a story that somebody told that took uh you know took um hold as an urban legend and so i kind of started digging into that a little bit because there's a couple of the um the creepy pasta or the reddits like slenderman or like the um Oh, what's the name of that thing? I always forget about it. You're probably thinking about the rake. Yep, a rake. And um, and those are beings that don't necessarily have a history past early 2000s, but that had caught hold so much in the internet universe and storytelling everything else that they believe that it was actually believed into being type thing, which takes us to a whole different episode that we'll do about the rake and about how, you know, basically collective human consciousness can create something in different realms and all that other fun stuff. But the reason I bring that up is that obviously, you know, Brian's first account is in 1996. 
far before creepypasta or reddit or anything existed and then i started going going down the rabbit hole with this and going into a few more stories and there was actually a man that um that had commented and said that back in 71 he was in junior high and they were in this house and he looks up from bed and in the doorway is standing what who he thought was his mom at first and then he realized that it was much shorter than his mom so it must have been his little sister but that's weird because the little sister never gets up at night so then he takes a closer look and where the eyes should be are just two blacked out holes like completely blacked out eyes on this person and he locks eyes with them and he can't move he just has this overwhelming sense of evil and dread like something bad is really going to happen and then finally he's able to will himself to not look at this creature anymore and And he goes to go help his brothers and sisters make sure that they're safe in the room and looks back and he can't see this creature at all. So this is his account from back in 71, obviously far predating the internet and everything else. So it looks like this story kind of travels as an urban legend and was talked about, but it's not that it didn't exist before creepypasta or Reddit or the internet. It's just that it might not have been something that people really talked about. Like everybody knows the paranormal world is kind of a taboo subject and people are really hesitant to come out and talk about encounters or what they think, what they believe. Personally, Anissa, do you think that the black eyed kids can you know, shape shift or manifest into something else or do they strictly try to stay children? Well, I really think, um, you know, I read another story about an elderly couple inviting a couple black eyed kids in that they came up at dinner time and they knock on the door and they say, you know, is it is it food time yet type thing, you know, really broken English uh, where they don't know exactly how to phrase things. You know, the elderly couple invites them in and the kids are like, well, my parents or our parents will be here soon and they won't look at them in the face. They keep looking down. And so the um, wife goes to go make hot cocoa for them. The husband's sitting in the living room trying to talk to him. They won't talk to him. The wife comes back in and the husband's like holding his face and the kids say, can we go to the bathroom? And, you know, or where's the restroom? So they go to the restroom and at that point they kind of look up. The wife sees the black eyes and is like, uh, that's not normal. And so asks the husband, well, the husband takes his hand down and he's got a, you know, a handful of blood because he's got this awful bloody nose. So she goes down the hall to go see what's going on on with these kids and she can hear him whispering saying our parents will be here or our parents are here now. And so they end up running out the front door and there's these two beings that are at the end of the driveway that look like tall, slender human males. And the wife waves at them and that she doesn't get a response. They all get in the car and they take off. Well, in the following weeks, three out of their four cats go missing. And then the fourth cat, they find in a pool of its own blood dead. And then the husband keeps getting these blood bloody noses. And so they go into the doctor and it, looks like he has an aggressive form of skin skin cancer that wasn't there a month prior. And so all of these awful things come into play. So I would think that, you know, kind of off the demonologist side of it is that these are the devil's children. Like they provide a gateway of how, you know, demons or the devil or whoever can get into your house type thing, you know, like where the, the old myth comes in that, you know, the vampire can't enter without you know, you saying that they can enter the house. I think that demons cannot enter your body without some sort of invitation. And so that might be the easiest way because obviously you're not going to let some random man into your house, but a kid that's hungry and starving, you're going to say, yeah, come on in. And I just find it fascinating that as evil as these are demons and everything like that, that they would need permission. You, a weird, strange 
unearthly code of ethics that have to be followed and acknowledged that that fascinates me and again I wonder what is their end game goal why do they want to come in why do they want to be around you what are they trying to do or it's just there's so many open-ended questions and when you talk about something you think about and you will it into existence that's that's a whole rabbit hole in and of itself so do you think this is a form of demonic evolution to come in and try to obtain souls or they can't it just there's a lot of questions i think yeah i you know i don't know what the exact end game is and um, i know that obviously like i'm a huge uh supernatural fan and meaning supernatural the television show and uh so you know in that obviously the the you have to have the demon has to have permission to go into your um your body an angel has to to inhabit a, a human form and i think that that comes with the the theory or the theological side of it that god gave human beings free will and so therefore we can't just be taken over so if you know a demon can only exist in our realm or our plane for so long without being in like you know a corporeal form so they need a human body then maybe this is a way because because people have become so stranger danger like think about back in the day like a person you know and i'm talking about way back you know 1800s 1500s everything else somebody shows up on your doorstep and says i need help then it was more of a mentality of, of course, come in, friend, because, you know, that was before the times of serial killers and at least wide known rapists, murderers, everything else. So I don't think that there was more of a sense of community where you helped your fellow man, whereas now we're very uh, aware of all of the bad things that just human beings t can do. So I don't think that there would be that, that you'd be a little bit more reluctant to let somebody in. But where, whereas with kids coming in, then yeah, you know, you can just invite them in. And it reminds me of um, the stories of like genies or gin. Like, you know, you find your magic lamp or you have a genie and you say, well, I, I wish for peace in the world. And because they are manipulators and they're tricksters, then the way that they'll give you peace is they kill everybody in the world and you're the only one there. Well, so, yeah, you know, you got your wish, you've got peace, but obviously that's not the way that you meant it. So when these kids are saying, can we come in? Or can you help us? Or can you give us a ride or whatever? Like maybe that's their way, like the loophole of saying like, you're allowing us into your life as a demonic em entity. You may not know all the fine print, but you're still agreeing. You're still saying yes. And it might not just be for the kids. It might be now like, here's my parents. Here's Satan, <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. Have you really found any other encounters where people have let these black-eyed kids into their into their home, into their car, given them rides, or is strictly that elderly couple the only ones that have really come public? Because me personally, I've struggled to find, uh, you know, credible articles that could explain what happened to them when they backed in, or excuse me, when they invited them in. And do you know what the outcome was with that elderly couple or was there any follow-up with that article or was it kind of an open-ended because that can also be interpreted as you know just a series of and those, this is the skeptic side of me as a series of just unfortunate events that correlated with helping these kids but it also could be the the result of letting them in and i just wonder after they left i mean what really was those kids as end game i i just that has me completely baffled yeah, um, this was just a little snippet part of the article because I was the same way. I really couldn't find anything where anybody had said, yeah, come on in or, you know, invited the kids in. So it was a little tiny snippet. And I will be the first one to say that it was written like a story. It really was. It wasn't like, you know, Joe Beth Smith 
and her husband, Frank, were the ones that let these kids in. Like, it was very generic. It was very much, you know, scary story type. And so it could have been just a fictional, uh, you know, a fictional story about it because I cannot find anything else. Uh, I found a, a guy that he actually posted, it was 10 weeks ago, that he was in a park and he saw a child standing by themselves and uh, it was at night, but he said that their their eyes were void of any sort of shine or color or anything else. And the child made eye contact with him and then went back and was standing there looking around. And he said that he got this like overwhelming feeling of, of uncomfortableness and of like... Uh, uh, unpleasantness and doom and everything just being around the person and around the child and he really felt like this person or the child was waiting for a car to show up because he didn't have a car he was just on foot and it's like the child didn't want to have anything you know to do with him or whatever but he truly believes in his soul that it was a demonic encounter and he because a lot of people on this article were like yeah I, I want to experience this and he's like hey listen I've experienced it and I want nothing to do with it ever again so another thing that kind of makes me believe that this is happening and it's been happening for a long time you'll notice a lot of people hang a crucifix above their front door or above any door that is exiting into the house or a bedroom and that's been you know kind of a christian tradition for quite some time so is this like a preventative that's why they need permission to come in because they can't approach because it's being protected by you know the christian god or is there just some kind of kind of rules. There's just, there's so many questions that they have to follow. But that's one theory I came up with was this has been happening for quite some time, but it's only starting to become a, a topic of discussion because people are beginning to come forward. Yeah. And that's a really, really good theory about the, the crucifix and our, and, you know, above the doors and think about how, you know, the doorway, obviously, if you go back into, you know, times of uh, Moses and Passover, like there's so many different things that the doorway represents in theology. And so like, you know, the door of your home. And so that really could be seen as, a, you know, a physical doorway and a, a mythical doorway, depending on, you know, what you believe in with souls and everything else. And so it's a very good possibility that the reason that, you know, that they can't come in is that you have to invite that, that person, that being that, I mean, even if you, if you follow Christianity, you have to invite Jesus into your heart in order to be saved. So why wouldn't it stand that if you, you know, wanted any dealings or if this demon was going to harm you, you would have to invite the demon. Just like with, you know, I am so against Ouija boards and spirit boards. And you and I have had this conversation where I'm just like, no, nope, we're not, we're not screwing with that. There's no way. It's just simply because of the fact that, you know, demons are obviously tricksters. They're, you know, they're not there. They're not going to play by the same rules that everybody else is. So opening one doorway to talk to your great aunt Velda is also going to open the doorway for, you know, the Zozo demon to come in and be like, hey, what's up with party? <laughs> yep, exactly right. And with their ability to take on, you know, in theory, a bunch of different forms, they, they can act like your great aunt, I guess, Zelda. But um, <laughs> they can take on these forms and manipulate and lie. And by the time you've gotten involved, you're already in way too deep. And that's like when we do investigations and other investigators are out in the field you really have to use your wording correctly when you're asking to speak to it and you're asking it to 
let it be known that it's there because a little slip of the tongue and it's definitely a, a reality they can they can jump you and you're bringing somebody home with you so it's really careful just be really careful when you pick and choose your wordings if you're out or you believe your your home is haunted and it's it's another thing because as a society you know we want to help people and when we see kids in distress i mean what are we supposed to do to say let me see your eyes or you know you, then you're just going to be that weird person you might as well just wrap your head in tinfoil but I mean, what really do you do? You just listen for their wording, how they want to phrase it and talk to them. It, it just, yeah, it's a fascinating phenomenon. Well, and, you know, talking about how you word things when you're, when you're investigating and look at what happened with us when we were investigating your uncle and aunt's house and you had felt that presence and felt the entity and you said, yeah, thank you so much for making contact. Feel free to follow us. And you meant follow us around the house as we do the rest of the investigations and look at this really cool old house. But then we got home and, you know, when things started happening, whatever you had said to to me, like, well, what if that invitation was too open-ended? What if, you know, I meant it this way, but what if something followed us home? And thank goodness we haven't really had an uptick in paranormal activity or anything since then. But it's just, it really comes down to the way that you have to be really, really careful with what you're speaking, what you're doing, your actions when it comes to these paranormal presences and entities or even a de demonic entity, which God forbid, <laughs> no pun intended. Yeah, and it's not like they wear a name tag that says, hello, my name is Demon, or my name is, <laughs> hello, my name is Zozo. So yeah, that was kind of a, a lesson learned. I got too comfortable during that investigation because one, it was a home I had been going to since, you know, I was a baby, basically. And uh, we definitely had activity there. That'll be an episode and we'll be posting videos with it. We captured a lot of orbs and legitimate orbs and they came up and whatever it was touched my hand and I felt a breath and it was just, it was an amazing investigation and it was kind of a happy accident because things just started happening when the house was empty because they were selling it and I figured let's just do one more walkthrough and when things started happening that's when I began filming and it actually turned into an investigation but yeah I did I did screw up and not use my words right I got you know when I got home I was like uh oh that's a rookie mistake so I just want to throw that disclaimer out there don't do as I do <laughs> do as I say not as I do all right well it looks like we are almost out of time here. So um, I think we did want to take a couple minutes to just, again, thank all of our listeners. And, you know, this, <laughs> when Chris and I recorded the first episode, we really said like, wouldn't it be awesome if we got one download or one person listened to this? And if nobody listens to it, that's totally fine. Like we're doing this for us and it's so much fun. And it's something that we've, you know, gotten excited on together. And then, we had tons of friends and family and you know, acquaintances all, you know, got get interested and like the Facebook page and follow us on Twitter and then download our, you know, download the episodes and follow us. And so we really want to take a moment to just thank everybody that has taken a chance on us. And we hope to, you know, get you a lot more content, a lot quicker. Things have been kind of crazy leading up to Christmas, but we plan on, um, on getting a, a couple episodes out here in the new, near future. And I would like to give a, um, special shout out to Benji Boombastic. You know who you are. You were the first person to comment on the post when we posted it on uh, Facebook. I'm pretty sure that outside of Chris and myself, you're the first person to like our Facebook page. Um, you are awesome kid and you know that we love you so much. 
And yeah, I would like to again, like Anissa said, thank everybody for taking the time because your time is valuable and giving us a shot. Things are going to get smoother. I'm going to get used to talking in front of a microphone and things will flow better. But with that being said, I'd like to give a shout out to Intrinsic Shaving. He's a friend of mine. It's his own private startup company. I've watched him develop it and dial it in. And it is an amazing product. If you can support local versus a big corporation, that is fantastic. His stuff is top of the line through and through. You can find him on Facebook, Intrinsic Shaving, the website, intrinsicshaving.com. And he also posts YouTube videos. So please check him out. You will feel like a million dollars and look like two million. So why not take care of yourself and support a local startup and a smaller startup and help him along the way as well. That is so awesome. Okie dokie. So I don't even know what our um, next episode is going to be about. I know that we kind of discussed uh, the whole uptick in demonic possession, which would be a fantastic follow-up to the demonic children we were talking about today. And so that might be it, or we may decide to go in a completely different direction. But uh, tune in next time, because we would love to have you like, follow, all that fun stuff. Our Twitter is para underscore radius. We need a lot more Twitter followers because we're posting stuff and like all seven people are really excited for the stuff that we're posting, I'm sure. But that's still seven more than we had two weeks ago. Absolutely. We love those seven people. You're the OG. Um, But we've got uh, Paranormal Radius for Facebook. And then we are actually up on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon Music, and iHeartRadio all are hosting our podcast now. So that's super exciting for us. And we're also developing our website, www.paranormalradius.com. It's a work in progress right now, but we will have a lot of content and options. And that's another way to get a hold of us outside of our email. And yeah, just thank you for taking the time and checking us out and helping us along as we kind of work on this little pet project and have a good time doing it. All right. We will talk to you guys next week. Next week. See ya. Bye.